Welcome again to our Wednesday Bible study. This is going to be the third and the final time that we are going to be looking at the 10 plagues. And if you want to follow along in your Bible, we're going to be in Exodus chapters 10 and 11. So now up to this point, as we've been going through the plagues, the first one, if you remember, was turning the water into blood. The second plague was that of frogs. Then we had the gnats in chapter 8. Also in chapter 8, we had the flies. In chapter 9, we had disease that, that went among uh, the livestock. And then also in that chapter, we, had, uh, we saw boils come upon the people and we saw hail that came throughout the land. Now, in chapters 10 and 11, we're going to see plagues 8, 9, and 10 together. Uh, so let's take a look at some of these things together. The eighth plague, it's the plague of locusts. Let's look at the first two verses to start off because this is, these are important things that we're going to see. The Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants in order to display these signs of mine before him. And in order that in the hearing of your son and your grandson, you may tell how I made fools of the Egyptians and about my signs that I displayed among them so that you may know that I am the Lord. So here in these couple verses of, of chapter 10, before we even get into this, this next plague that we're going to be looking at, uh, we do see once again looking at this whole thing about uh, with the Lord hardening Pharaoh's heart. Um, yeah, that, that's an important part for us to, to recognize that, that God is at this point actively involved in this. But he also gives us the, the reason behind it. Like, why is he involved in hardening Pharaoh's heart? And as I've been stating before, but just in case maybe you're, you're just starting off with this video, um, I would suggest go back and at least kind of look at these other ones about the plague and, and follow this about the hardening of heart. But in case this is the first one that you've kind of picked up on, um, I do believe that what we see with Pharaoh is he starts off by hardening his own heart and then eventually God hardens his heart. So, you know, that it's not that, that God is forcing him to do the wrong thing. No, I, I believe that what we see in Pharaoh is he's already uh, inclined to do the wrong thing. And what God finally does is he does harden his heart and he just, he allows Pharaoh to be turned over to his own devices. You know, we might say, we, we have a few different phrases in which we recognize these things, but sometimes whenever we look at uh, this here with, with, with Pharaoh being, uh, having a hard heart and God hardening his heart, sometimes we have a problem with that. But what we actually see is that God is hardening his heart and all this has a purpose. What's the purpose? Verse one tells us, in order to display these signs of mine before him. So that's why he did all this so he could display these signs. Could he have displayed the signs without hardening his heart? Well, of course he could have, but it wouldn't have escalated to this level. This is to show that in verse two, it's to show that Moses, you know, his son, his grandsons, you know, all of these different generations before, they're going to know the power of God and what he did in Egypt in setting them free so that they can know the Lord and also so we can know the Lord. That's the purpose behind the plagues. That's the purpose behind everything that God did whenever he was bringing his people out of the land of Egypt. It was to show his glory, to show his might. So now let's see these plagues together. Now verses three through six. So Moses and Aaron came to Pharaoh and told him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has said. How long do you refuse to humble yourself before me? Release my people so that they may serve me. But if you refuse to release my people, I'm going to bring locusts into your territory tomorrow. 
They will cover the surface of the earth so that you will not be able to see the ground. They will eat the remainder of what escaped, what is left over for you from the hail, and they will eat every tree that grows from, uh, for you from the field. They will fill your houses, the houses of your servants, and all the houses of Egypt, such as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen since they had been in the land until this day. Then Moses turned and went out from Pharaoh. So here we see this, that the locusts are going to be coming, and this is going to be a severe uh, problem. And, and by the way, it's kind of, you know, interesting. If you want to know, uh, you know, what this looks like, did you know that locust plagues actually do happen from time to time? Uh, you know, especially in this part um, of, of the world that we're reading right here, like in, in Egypt. Um, I, I believe even um, earlier this year, there was a there was a plague of some locusts in, in, uh, in an area overseas. But, you know, I, I would say, you know, maybe get online and, and maybe search some of these things to, to kind of see the images of what this type of, of plague would be. Because there's a few different times that we read about locust plagues. And, and this was just one of the 10 plagues that God sent, you know. Any one of these 10 plagues, they're a pretty big deal. But whenever you have literally all 10 of them lined up, I mean, God is doing this to show his power. God is doing this to show his might. And he most certainly does that. Uh, but here, yeah, in this case, he, he tells them that whatever was left over, it's going to be destroyed by the locusts. I mean, you know, they just, they can't really start getting ahead because every, every part of the plague, or the next plague, I should, guess I should say, starts beating them down. And they just, they can't ever keep going forward with this. But this is what God is trying to show them, that they are not the ones who are in control. God is ultimately the one who is in control. Verses 7 through 11 now. Pharaoh's servant said to him, How long will this man be a menace to us? Release the people so that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh, and he said to them, Go serve the Lord your God, exactly who is going with you. Moses said, We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with our sheep and our cattle we will go. Because we are to hold a pilgrim feast for the Lord, he said to them, the Lord will need to be with you if I release you and your descendants. Watch out. Trouble is right in front of you. No. Go. You men only and serve the Lord, for that is what you want. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. So here in, in these passages, we still see that, that Pharaoh is still trying to negotiate. He's he's not willing to, to let them go. And then, you know, he kind of keeps talking and into a little bit and maybe kind of giving in just a little bit and saying that, uh, uh, you know, he kind of adds just a little bit to it. But it's never what Moses has been asking for. And we also find out that the people themselves, they're taking notice of it. I mean, look at verse 7 here. In verse 7, uh, they actually blame Moses. You know, if you look at what they state, they state, you know, how long will this man be a menace to us? You know, they don't dare mention Yahweh right here. They don't dare mention the, the God of the Hebrews, because, you know, if they're going to talk to Pharaoh, uh, they don't want to try to acknowledge that, you know, God is ultimately the one who's behind this. So they try to pin this all on Moses. I mean, Moses is just the, the spokesperson. He's the one who, who God is working through, but I mean, he's not the one that's bringing these things. Uh, but they focus on the man because maybe if they can 
get Pharaoh to focus on Moses, then they can actually get him to do something about it. And they also notice something about their land. They say to Pharaoh, do you not know that Egypt is destroyed? I mean, this is, this is was bound to be a very difficult time for Egypt because Pharaoh just would not listen to God. I mean, that's that was his original response was, you know, who is God that I should listen to him? And he didn't care about him and he still doesn't really care about him. He's just wanting to, to get these things to stop and he's trying to give in just enough to get them to stop. But they won't stop because his heart is still hard. He is still completely opposed to Moses and more importantly, to the God of the Hebrews. Now verses 12 through 15, because it continues on here. By the way, we are going to continue to see these plagues just like what we've seen before, that God says what's going to happen, then we see that it does happen just like that, and then we kind of maybe find out uh, about how they responded to those things. So verses 12 through 15, we're in this mix here about this plague of locusts. The Lord said to Moses, extend your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come up over the land of Egypt and eat everything that grows in the ground, everything that the hail has left. So Moses extended his staff over the land of Egypt, and then the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all night. The morning came and the east wind had brought up the locusts. The locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and settled down in all the territory of Egypt. It was very severe. There had been no locusts like them before, nor were there any, nor, uh, nor will there be such ever again. They covered the surface of all the ground so that the ground became dark with them. And they ate all the vegetation of the ground and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Nothing green remained on the trees or on anything that grew in the fields throughout the whole land of Egypt. So you want to know how severe it is? Right there. Everything that was left before, it was destroyed by the locusts. I mean, specifically, that's mentioned in more than one of these verses right here. We definitely see it at verse 12, but we see even more than that. We also uh, see, and I'm going to kind of point these things out as we uh, continue to look at them. Uh, verse 13, we see that there's that staff again. Moses, he's extending his hand, but he's got that staff that 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 is showing he is now shepherding the people of God, and he is you know in control. Um, that staff has been used time and time again already. Uh, but then we also find out another thing that, that how God makes these things happen. In verse 13, it actually said that the Lord brought an east wind on the land. So it's not like that what God did is, you know, he didn't miraculously just make all of these locusts appear. Or, you know, it wasn't some like, you know, it wasn't like a magic trick that, you know, all these locusts just appeared. It wasn't anything like that. Actually, the way that, that God worked was he... He drove the locusts to this area by using wind. See, sometimes what God uses, it's it's not something that we would maybe consider miraculous. But yet, I mean, it is a miracle. You, you notice how it, how it happens. I mean, it, it shouldn't exactly happen the way that it does right here, but it does because this is what God wants to happen. This is what God, you know, needs to happen at this time to show his might. So he uses wind. He uses locusts. He uses all these other things. That he's used before in order to show God is the one that is in control. It's not Pharaoh. So how does Pharaoh respond to this one? Verses 16 through 20. Then Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. So now forgive my sin this time only and pray to the Lord your God that he would only take this death away from me. 
Moses went out from Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, and it picked up the locusts and blew them into the Red Sea. Not one locust remained in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not release the Israelites. So with this plague, what happens? Well, Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron, and he seems like he's repentant, you know, but we've seen this before, haven't we? You know, he acknowledges that he's sinned. He said, I've sinned against your, your God, and he says that he sinned against, you know, them. He's also asking for prayers. It's not the first time he's asked for prayers. It's not the only time that he asked for prayers. And what is he praying for? Well, he actually says to take this death away from me. Little does he know that actually one of the plagues is going to be death. He hasn't really seen that just yet. Uh, what he's meaning by that, taking this death away from, uh, from the land, is the fact that literally all the green food that they have has been just completely destroyed uh, with this, this plague here. So that's what he's referring to with this death. Uh, so what happens is Moses prays for him, and the Lord takes away uh, the problems, take away the locusts in this case. But we find out that Pharaoh's heart, it's still not ready. Pharaoh's heart is still uh, not going to give in to what the Lord wants. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He didn't release the Israelites, and the plagues continue. So let's find out what the ninth plague is. Verses 21 through 23 now. The Lord said to Moses, Extend your hand toward heaven, so that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness so thick it can be felt. So Moses extended his hand toward heaven, and there was absolute darkness throughout the land of Egypt for three days. No one could see another person, and no one could rise from this place, from his place, for three days. But the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. What do we see? This plague is darkness. The ninth plague is this plague of darkness. And it's just not an ordinary darkness. It's one that is so dark, so thick, that it could be felt. That's what it says in verse 21. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place like that, that is so dark that it could be felt, but that's how this is described. It is kind of a little bit of a, I guess I could maybe describe it as a little bit of an eerie feeling, um, because I, I've, on more than one occasion, you know, I've gone into these different uh, cave tours, and you know, as you go into this cave, it's so deep uh, under the earth that, that light isn't kind of getting into there. So then, most of the cave tours that I've been on, at some point or another, they'll lead you into the cave, and then it'll turn off all the lights. And it's a really weird feeling because you literally, as long as nobody, you know, accidentally turns on the flashlight or, or their phone or something like that, as long as no lights come on at that time, it's amazing that you can't even see your hand that's right in front of you. Now, I still don't know that I would describe that as a darkness that's so thick that it can be felt. But that, it's obviously, you know, not the same type of darkness that went over the land of, of Egypt. But, you know, that's something that I can at least relate uh, with this, you know, a little bit about this darkness. But could you imagine what that darkness would be like in Egypt, that it's so thick that it could be felt? Well, that's part of this plague. But another thing that we see about this plague is that the Lord distinguishes between those who are his and those who aren't, whose, hard, uh, whose hearts are hard. In verse 23, we still see that the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Now, this is one that we actually see um, what the plague was. We also find out um, how long it took place in verse 22. It was for three days. 
And then also in verse 23, we find out that there's a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. Now, those are things we don't always see with each one of the plagues, but it's one that we see here with this ninth plague. So the Israelites, they had light. They weren't bothered, at the least, by this plague. It was only the Egyptians. It was only those who were, were turning their backs on God. Verses 24 through 29 now. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only your flocks and herds will be detained. Even your families may go with you. But Moses said, Will you also provide us with sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may present them to the Lord our God? Our livestock must also go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. For we must take these animals to serve the Lord our God until we arrive there. We do not know what we must use to serve the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He was not willing to release them. Pharaoh said to him, Go for me. Watch out for yourself. Do not appear before me again. For when you see my face, you will die. Moses said, As you wish, I will not see your face again. Very interesting kind of interaction between the two of them. Once again, we do find here in verse 24, it's Pharaoh who is summoning Moses. Whenever he summons Moses, they have this conversation. And in this conversation, it seems that Pharaoh is, you know, kind of trying to allow them to go, but he has still got those requirements. He's still not letting them take everything because he's, he's wanting to make sure that they come back. He doesn't want to let them go completely. And then right here, what we, what we see is finally Pharaoh is so upset that he tells Moses to go away and then not ever see his face again. And he, he kind of threatens him several times as well. In verse 28, you know, we see that he says that, you know, uh, when Moses sees his face again, he's going to die. And Moses, how he just responds in verse 29 is he says, as you wish, I will not see your face again. So what happens then? Well, now we get to the 10th plague, chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will release you from this place. When he releases you, he will drive you out completely from this place. Instruct the people that each man and each woman is to request from his or her neighbor items of silver and gold. Now the Lord granted the people favor with the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's servants and by the Egyptian people. Now, kind of some interesting things right here. So, so God tells Moses what's going to be happening. There's one more plague. There's this final plague. And then he says, after this plague, yeah, you're going to be released. So part of this was that they were going to uh, ask things from their, their neighbors. And they do receive those things. And um, it, it's kind of interesting when you look at verse 3 that the Egyptians recognized the Hebrews. And apparently there was some type of favor that they had for them because they at least cared enough uh, for them, so to speak, I guess, or, or maybe they were afraid of them, that they gave them silver and gave them gold and, you know, kind of sent them on their way. Uh, but it does say that the Lord granted the people favor with the Egyptians. So it's just kind of an interesting thing to, to look at there. And then we also find out how do they feel about Moses? Well, I mean, he was respected by Pharaoh's servants and by the Egyptian people. Uh, they recognize that the God that he serves is more powerful than their God. I mean, their God couldn't protect them. Their, their gods couldn't protect them from all of these things. But the one true God of the Hebrews, he is the true creator of 
the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And that's going to be one of the statements that he brings up and he, he shares with them. But here what we see is that the people are recognizing how great the, the Hebrews are and that their God is a wonderful God. But let's keep reading. Verses four through eight now. Moses said, this is what the Lord has said about midnight. I will go throughout Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn son of the slave girl who is at her hand mill and all the firstborn of the cattle. There will be a great cry throughout the whole land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But against any of the Israelites, not even a dog will bark against either people or animals, so that you may know that the Lord distinguishes between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you, and after that, I will go out. Then Moses went out from Pharaoh in great anger. So here in these verses, we do find out that uh how this plague is going to happen and we also find out you know what it is it's death of the firstborn uh it's going to affect everybody every single one of the egyptians however we do see it's not going to affect the israelites in verse 7 um, that moses is going to know uh, that the lord distinguishes between egypt and israel and guess what everybody else knows it too everybody else involved in this they recognize it that there is something different between those in Egypt and those in Israel. God is looking after the Israelites. Now verses 9 and 10. The Lord said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not release the Israelites from his land. Now, in the next chapter, what we're actually going to see is we're going to see where this plague takes place. And we're actually going to see the, the night that it takes place. So right now we're going to uh, we're going to pause in our study and we we know what is going to happen. And now in this next chapter, next week, we're going to find out how it happened and, and what exactly God did. And this is where next week we're going to look at the, the Passover festival, uh, the Passover feast that they participate in. And part of that was the protection that God gave to the Israelites. The Egyptians didn't get that because the Egyptians hardened their heart. They turned away from God. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. But the God that Moses serves is the one true God who has all of this great power. He is the one who rightfully should be praised. And next week we will see how he protects those who are his.